The title of the message today is Standing Firm in God's Truth. We'll look at verse 14 and not even in its entirety. As today we approach the first piece of the armor of God and the associated schemes that come with that. So let's read our text. Ephesians chapter 6. I'll start from verse 10 as I have. And I will stop at verse 14. Hear the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. And we'll stop there. We've been speaking about spiritual warfare because that's what the passage is teaching us. The reality of warfare. To be in Christ is to be in conflict. The enemy of Christ is Satan. The enemies that you now have used to be your allies. You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Basically, we were allies with the flesh, the world, and the devil. But something happened. We are now in Christ. But God being rich in mercy because of his grace, great love for us, by grace we have been saved. And consequently, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And now we take on this motif here, if you will, of a soldier. Whether you be young in the Lord, old, male, female, soldiers. Now when a soldier goes into war, they must have some idea of what they're dealing with. A soldier most often will have a commander to instruct and give them the strategy. And a soldier ought to know how to fight, but something that the soldier must know is how to defend against the enemy's attacks. Now, what we see here in our text is not so much about us going in to possess a land and conquering Satan. No. In the New Covenant, Christ is victorious. Christ has won this battle. But as we looked at in prior messages, we now have to stand firm in this wicked, evil day. We just basically are called to resist, to stand firm. That's the posture we are to take. Now, we must understand that we're going to be attacked. Now, in war, in the natural realm, in the wars of men, there is a tactic called deception. And it's called, dis actually it's disinformation. And it's based on lies and deception. Now disinformation is this. It's defined as an adversarial campaign that weaponizes multiple rhetorical strategies and, for and forms of knowing including not only falsehoods but also truths, half-truths, value-laden judgments to exploit and amplify Identity-driven controversies. And that was successful in the Battle of Normandy as the Allies put out and basically 
put out some disinformation to the Nazis, and it worked. It was a good thing. And one of the other tactics that happens in war is called demoralization. It's a process of psychological warfare that can discourage an opponent, thereby making them retreat or surrender. Now, we are not to be ignorant of Satan's schemes. We know that clearly, and we've gone over that. And we know something that we're going to see here. First of all, we know that we are not fighting him alone. Our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. It's against demonic entities that you could say are the army of Satan. And the reality is, in order to stand firm, you need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And today we look at more of the how to do this. Now, we need the strength to withstand. We need the protection of God. And with the protection is strength. And it's very important we understand that while this battle may resemble in some ways a war in the natural realm, this is a spiritual battle. The chaos we see in this world is not a clash of worldviews so much as it is a spiritual reality that's taking place. So for the Christian, as the commander-in-chief has given you your strategy and marching orders, if you will, we see in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Clear. Clear instructions. There are many things that will come against the people of God in this warfare. So how are we to fight? Well, we have the instruction. We have the weapons. We have the instruction given. Now, there's six items in the text we looked at last week. Today we look at number one, and they all resemble the Roman soldier. Pieces of armor that will strengthen us against the associated schemes of our enemy. As we said last week, there are no conscientious objectives in this war. All will have to fight to some extent. But do know, in the new covenant, Christ has overcome. Know that. So, we will look today at verse 14. And the command, once again, the third time we're seeing this, is to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having, your gird, having girded your loins with truth. This is a posture that we fight from. In this text is more of a defensive posture. This is resist, stand firm. It's not attack, it's not retreat. Resist, stand firm. Stand firm. Holding fast, not wavering. Stand firm to endure, to persevere. Stand firm, remain in a fixed position in Christ. Resist the influence of Satan by standing firm. Like a tree, firmly rooted in the ground with deep roots, when the storms, the hurricanes come, this tree will be standing when the winds and waves and the trickery of men and the deceitfulness of this wicked age and its ideologies come against the child of God, they will stand. 
if they do hear according to what they should do. Now we saw what we opened up with. Every generation of the people of God, all of God's people have always had to make the sojourn, make the pilgrimage in a world that was antithetical to the commands that they were called to adhere to. To be the people they were called to be. We saw it when we opened up in Joshua 23, 6 to 9. And the command was, be very firm then to keep all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you will not turn aside to it from the right hand or to the left so that you will not associate with these nations. These were the Canaanites. Wicked nation with wicked gods, wicked practices, wicked ideologies. Or make anyone swear by them. Serve them or bow down. And why would they do that? Peer pressure? Who knows? That's what we look at. We see things like this and we say, how could this be? But it happens. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. But as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. They were not to be influenced. You see, this is not about us standing firm. I told you last week, you can maybe bench press 300 pounds. That won't do you any good in this kind of a battle. It's God. It's the strength of the Almighty God, our God, the one who is in us, working in us. Now, we are not to be influenced by the idolatrous, demonic, pagan entities that are in this world. They were in Joshua's day. They're in America in 2023, folks. Now, there's false gods and stray from God's law. God's law, His word, is to act as the counterweight, as to balance us as, if you will, an anchor. So the posture here is to stand firm. Now, Paul has already indicated in chapter 4 when you, the opposite state of standing firm, and that is that you will be tossed to and fro you should no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine and the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheming. These are the rudimentary principles of this age. These are the philosophies of men. If we are not standing firm, you, child of God, can be tossed to and fro to some extent. The Word of God is our stabilizing force. Now, her having girded your minds, girding your loins with truth. Now, what this means, the perception here is take on the belt of truth. Now, the ESV, the NIV will render it, put on the belt of truth. And basically what this is, is the Roman soldier would gird his waist with a belt, or they would call it a girdle. It could even look like maybe a black weightlifting belt. And they would gird this leather apron-like covering tied around the waist in the lower ab abdomen to fasten and to secure this belt. And when they would do this, it designated that a soldier would be ready for action. Now, the armor has to be all put on and used, but we are looking at the first piece today. This was essential. And in this girdle, they also, many of them would have this little slot for a sword for the soldier Again, and in doing this, this gave them stability. It prevented them from impedance, of falling down. Now we see the loins, guarding the loins here. 
Guard your loins with truth. This is a figurative phrase. We saw this in 1 Peter 1.13. Gird the loins of your mind. It's a figure of speech. The mind doesn't have uh, loins. So basically, prepare your mind for action. Prepare yourself here for action. Prepare for battle again. Now stand firm, taking on this perceived belt. So put on the belt of truth. We can say that. Standing firm in God's truth. Now we'll look at the scheme here in a minute. But when we speak of truth, we're speaking of the word of truth. We're speaking of the Christ who is the truth. Some have said, put on the truthfulness, put on the belt of truth as a sincerity, as, a, as part of being honest and truthful, to forsake hypocrisy. And that is absolutely correct. As children of light, we should have no fellowship with unfruitful dark, works of darkness, but rather expose them. So the truth of God's word and the behavior of truthfulness are married together. William Gurnell had a very good perspective on it. William Gurnell said this, Some by truth mean a truth of doctrine. Others will have it as truth of heart, sincerity. I think it's best that they comprise both. One will not do without the other. And I think he's right. So stand firm. Put on the belt of truth. What is the associated scheme that we are defending ourselves here? The text doesn't tell us, doesn't give us any scheme, but knowing who Satan is, not being ignorant of his devices, knowing his character, knowing how Jesus described him in John 8.44, there is no truth in him, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Implicit here, we know he's a master of lies and deception. He is a deceiver, Revelation 12.9. So, every period in history... The children of God, the people of God, had had to stand firm in the reality of God's truth. Had to stand firm in the reality that they were going to face opposition. Not things not of God. And it's interesting about this enemy that he's really not that innovative. We know how he's going to attack. But yet he is clever. He is crafty. Now, clearly, the obvious scheme we're seeing here is lies. Disinformation, a war tactic, and deception. And all of this traces down, I'm going to ask that you turn to page 3, Genesis chapter 3. Really, the schemes of Satan, here in this text, come down to these words. Did God truly say? So Genesis chapter 3, I want to read it, and we'll extract just a couple of principles to understand what this scheme is and how we are fighting, and what we are fighting as well. Genesis chapter 3, I'll read from 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Remember, he's got an expiration date. He's a created being. God created him. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you will not eat from any tree of the garden? Implicit there is to is doubt. To, to make one doubt. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree 
which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Clearly misquoting. He's got her off her game a little bit here, so to say. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. A blatant lie. That is a blatant lie. And the schemes of these blatant lies is to come against the truth of God. And consequently here, to cause doubt. And we also see in verse 5, when the woman saw that it was, the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, it's important we understand the steps behind this scheme. Hasn't God, has God indeed said? And then we see God has not said what was clear. But he also not only will deny truth, he will distort. He will distort truth. And we see such a prevalence in our day in the public square of the distortion of truth. And we see that many have bought the lie typically in this day and age, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, literally the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Using the same schemes today, and man is falling for it, that they can be like God. They can be above God. The word of man can supersede the word of God. Basically, what he's done throughout the ages is he's recycled these lies and he's repackaged them and he served them and many people still buy it. We'd buy it if not for the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of his spirit. We bought it years ago. We were under the influence of the, this wicked evil age. But his schemes and many, he has now taken on something which I mentioned last week, at least in our culture, which I've not seen before. And it's happening throughout the world. The perversion of sexuality, of marriage, of family, of government, education in the public square, religion and philosophy, all under did God truly say. And he's distorting a lot of this truth as well. And so many have exchanged the truth for the lie. And they worship and serve who? Self. Creature. Rather than creator. That's the scheme of Satan for the people not in the kingdom of God. But nevertheless, there is some, some truth for us here that we are to stand firm as well against these pervasive ideologies. Now, the common lies of our day. I was reading through Kent Hughes' commentary on Ephesians, and I came across a comment by Charles Colson. Now, I'm going to quote some people today. You may like them. You may not like them. I think the quotes are right on point, and that's why I'm quoting them. So Charles Coulson believes that our American society's constant mindless engagement with the media where trash is heaped upon trash and the bizarre is commonplace has left us morally exhausted without discernment. And the people of God can get their discernment clouded as well. The inability to make moral distinctions, Coulson says, is the aids of the intellectuals. An acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Moral blindness of this caliber requires practice. It has to be learned. In a culture infected with moral aids, words lose all their meaning 
And they are manipulated to obscure meaning, distorts truth, not just denies, he distorts. Colson goes on, for example, to give some examples here. Taxes become revenue assessment enhancements. Perversion is now gay. Murder of unborn children is freedom of choice. Marxism in the church is now called, some churches, liberation theology, end quote. What we're seeing now has a lot of roots in communism. It's just the reality. We have to look at the text and we have to match it to our day and age here. And the paganism that they dealt with in Asia, Asia Minor, we deal with as well. I'll call you back to 1869, a book by the Crown of Life written by Isa Blogden. Now, speaking of the deception and speaking of the lies, this is a tactic that Satan is now using and always has. But we see this more now. If a lie is printed often enough, it becomes a quasi-truth. If such a truth is repeated often enough, it becomes an article of belief, a dogma, and men will die for it. With the prevalence of social media, this is a great forum for our enemy. Now, we see also a quote by Rene Descartes, which can be translated like this. People will get rid of half their problems if they could agree on the meaning of words or determine the precise meaning of words. You will save mankind from half the delusions. The redefining now that we're seeing is something that we ought to stand firm in God's truth, we are to resist the schemes of this evil day. We are to have our, we are to gird ourselves in truth. We are not to be steeped in moral relativism that pervades around us. And it's diluting the masses and redefining everything. We're currently in an age where we quote it a lot. Judges 17.6 where every man does right in their own eyes because basically that's what's happening to some extent right now, where creature now usurps creator. We become laws unto ourselves. Now, last week I asked the question, do things get better or do they get worse? I don't know, but I can tell you, I can tell you what will happen. If this society does not turn to God, if this society does not bend their knee, this will get worse. This will get worse. We are no different or no special. We have some, special, some differences than other nations, certainly. Our rudiments and our Christian heritage. But we need to go back to a Christian consensus. But in any event, when you have no, absolute, no absolutes and no objective truth, anything goes. You read a passage like Leviticus 18 and you say, oh my goodness. It's not inconceivable that some of us can see that in our day. I hope not. We're already seeing some of that as well. But there is now a lack of logic. See, what's happened now is a defiance here of logic and common sense. And it's a defiance of God's natural law as well. This is all part of his deception and his schemes. I know it's a heavy message, but this is the reality of what we're doing, what we're having right now. There is a lack of critical thinking in this world, a lack of critical thinking among many young people. Christian, we can't have a lack of critical thinking. We have to discern correctly. 
We cannot just comply with the narratives. Okay? All the narratives. Just, Christian, be nice. Shut up and eat what you were served. Just comply. Unfortunately, there are many who want to comply with the best of intentions. They have good intentions. But their worldview is off because they don't start from this point. By what standard? The starting point for us is by what standard? It's got to be by God's standard. And now what you have, because you've eradicated a lot of God's truth, this is a reality, folks. You have now humanism. You have now growth in paganism. You have a lot of the isms of our day. And you no longer have a Christian consensus to a large extent. But you have many who do. It's not all over and done with, folks. But we're seeing the lies and the deception that he's propagated. And we, the church of Jesus Christ, must stand firm. Now follow the logic. The reality that the people may have the best of intentions. And there may be some with a religious worldview, but they don't hold it to the word of God. There may be some with some conservative values, but they don't hold to the word of God. And what we've had here in the past several years is absolute chaos. This is chaos, what we see. So we have to gird up our loins and not be fooled by this chaos. There are many who are propagating this humanism with the mindset and the, the, the want to have a utopia. They are going to have the absolute opposite. This is getting worse and worse. Now, I'm not here. I don't want to depress anybody. But it works well for us. We have a mandate. Okay. On the delusion of secularism, we have to understand something. Now, I'm going to quote someone else. Like him, dislike him. Don't agree with everything for sure. But he, like many others, like John MacArthur, like Lloyd Pulley, like, like John Randall, like Mac Mike McIntosh, like James Cotis, like Pastor George, has stood firm in the evil day and learned from their standing firm. Doug Wilson quotes on the delusion of secularism. A, a Christian who has been standing firm against the lies and deceptions of the devil in this wicked evil age he gave this statement on secularism. Quote, secularism is like a huge dumpster fire in the back of a restaurant that cooks with lots of grease. And I don't see how they can recover. They used to be able to say to the gullible Christian something like, You're, we're just like you religious people. We share the same common values without the belief of a transcendent reality. We can be trusted as neutral referees when it comes to what we all share together as decent, law-abiding Americans. That used to fly. That used to work. But that was before 60 million children lost their lives. That was before Planned Parenthood started selling the baby parts. That was before Drag Queen Story Hours at your local library. That was before doctors started taking money to conduct mastectomies on healthy young girls who have been hectored into thinking they were boys. That was before the lockdown, the masking orders, and the mandatory vaccine orders. In short, that was before somebody unlocked the cages in the monkey house to fight in the public square. End quote. 
Stand firm. Resist. Stand firm. Gird your loins in truth. Because there's too much pervasive influence coming against us. When we stand firm in God's truth, we will not only be tossed to and fro by the wind and wave and trickery of men, we will not embrace the lies of this wicked evil age and the philosophies of men. Now, when immorality is normalized and glorified and repeated, we can become desensitized. We can become, to some extent, immune. We have the spirit of the living God. We are victorious. There's no need for us to worry. We will get to the promised land. But in the meantime, we don't want to have our minds diluted with the affairs of this wicked evil age. And sometimes when we become desensitized, we have the mindset like, ah, just don't get political. Ah, just leave it alone. We have to stand firm in God's truth. Excuse me. Now, standing firm, failure to stand firm in God's truth, we will lose our salt. And we are the salt of the earth. So standing firm in God's truth, we will maintain our saltiness. Now, standing firm in God's truth, our lights will shine. We are, called, we are the light of the world. We are called to function as lights. And in some respects, we will change our our Israel to some extent. We will change our Jerusalem. We'll change our community, our family, when our lights are shining. So, we must understand the tactic. This is the spirit of this age. Christian, you are not of that spirit, praise God. You are of the spirit of truth. So therefore, may we not be influenced by these, this wicked spirit. Galatians 1.14, He who gave himself for our sins, Jesus Christ, that he may deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father. Praise God. The reality is there's a whole host of opposition against your worldview, against what you stand for. In the public square, in politics, there's a host of politicians, unfortunately. They've, they've sold their soul. But building, they're building on a house of cards. When you build on this deception and lies of Satan, it will collapse. It's only a matter of time. The Lord laughs at them as per Psalm 2 as they raise their fist. We have to pray every Wednesday night. So many of you pray for, the, for these leaders. Continue to pray. Continue to pray that they come to their senses. But for you, Christian, all that to say... We are about God's truth. God's truth is so central to us, particularly in Ephesians. So we are to gird our loins with truth. We saw in chapter 1, verse 13, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, we were sealed with Him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Whatever comes upon us, God's got us. God's got us firm in His hand. Amen. We, Christian, must speak truth to one another. Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Our new nature is predicated upon truth. We see in chapter 4, verse 23. And you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's taking in God's truth. 
That's taking in God's word. And put on the new self in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And we are children of light. And light is often synonymous with truth. Ephesians 5.8, we were formerly of darkness, but now you are light of the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. This is not about gaining, attaining salvation. This is not about you gaining an extra position and the, the totem pole with God. No, this is the, the conduct of children in light. Children who are of the truth. For the fruit of light consists of what? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. In a world that is not good, unrighteous, and full of lies. After all, we've been set free. We've come to, to embrace the truth of God and the truth has set us free. And now greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I've quoted that many times, John 4, 4. But we must understand, we must understand the context of that. That's about the deception of false teachers and the spirit of the Antichrist. We are strong in the Lord. Therefore, be strong. And the truth has set us free and we are to continue in God's truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth, for your word is truth. Now we want to stand firm and be grounded in God's truth and understand the importance of who we are. Jesus Christ is our God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We have the spirit of truth. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the source of truth. It's ours. 2 Timothy 3, 15. The church is the pillar of truth. 1 Timothy 3, 15. God's truth is central to us. And in closing, it's a couple of practical applications on how we are to stand firm in this evil day. How we are to gird ourselves in God's truth. How we are to put on the belt of truth. What is exactly can that look like? Well, number one, Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ, God's truth, richly dwell within you. Let the word of Christ, that is the opposite of this wicked, evil age, and the lies were being fed constantly. Renew your mind. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Consider what we looked at Joshua today. Also, with that, be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from the right nor to the left. And we, we, we see throughout Joshua that the word, we should be meditating on the word of God. We see it in Psalm 1 as well. Also, something else, 2 Timothy. Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Being able to decipher situations and have discernment and applying the truth of the word. A preventive maintenance here in Ephesians 5.11. To have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness that represent the truth, but rather expose them. 
but rather Christian. It's important. And these, are, these applications are for many, many areas of spiritual disciplines. But have fellowship with the children of light. Make every effort to be around other light bearers. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stand firm together. Christian, we win. Everything is built on lies is going to explode sooner or later. Jesus Christ is victorious. You are in Christ, you have victory. What the text is implying throughout all of these pieces of armor is you are not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Walk in victory, stand in victory, proclaim victory. Have the joy of the God of your salvation. The reality is, they're not victorious out there. We have the light. They're people in darkness, and therefore we have to pray for this society as well. But Christian, isn't it so beautiful, as we sang? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Forever your word is settled in heaven. Christ has come. Christ has conquered and we are more than conquerors in him. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all for grace to trust him more. When we are walking in the truth, girding ourselves in his truth, there is trust in that. Rejoice, rejoice. This world has to deal with the church. They have to deal with us, the light bearers. It should not be the other way around. When we're girded in truth, not only will we not be influenced by the schemes of Satan, we could also influence others and show them the hope of our salvation. Show them what it is. This is your mission. If we change the world, so be it. I don't know if that's supposed to happen. But the mission is that you give what you've received. You've been transferred out of what? The kingdom of what? Lies, darkness, into the kingdom of his beloved son. And you're secure there. So stand firm in this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Now we know, Lord, this is nothing Unusual in terms of the opposition your people have faced throughout the ages. But Father, it's unusual for us for the many years we lived, Lord, unobstructed to many extents. But now we see, Lord, now we see, Lord, that we are going into something now that may turn. But Father, whatever your sovereign decree is, our game plan does not change. The commander is chief, has given us our orders. And we are to stand firm in your truth. And I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us here that we will do so. Help me, Lord. Help us all. In Jesus' name, amen.